Hello and welcome to Bad Songwriter Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holmquist. We are here today with Sadie from Speedy Ortiz. How's it going? Hi, Anna. It's pretty great. No, it's actually just totally fine and okay, but I, it's been pretty, <laughs> right. I mean, it's been bad and garbage, but I made an amazing dinner that I just told you about, so I'm riding the high of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, food has been a constant joy for me throughout this. I've been planning my meals very far in Maybe advance. my only um, joy in all of this. <laughs> yeah, that that's probably true. I know I, I've always sort of reflexively say, like, I'm doing great, uh, but... I'm usually know. pretty quick on the like I'm you know I'm fine but um you know French onion potato chowder it was like next level it sounds next (laughs) level when did you first start writing songs I think that um from the things you sent it seems like it was pretty yeah you have a crazy relic that I didn't even know existed um I started playing music when I was pretty little with piano and I sang in um children's choirs and stuff like that and the first like song I can remember, the first song I can remember writing was like um, setting a children's book to music with my dad when I was really little. Um, but but oh, the first cute. one I, I can remember that I came up with like melody and lyrics, just totally composed in my head. And yet I still remember it was probably around third grade. I was super into ska. I really liked No Doubt. I have like a clip of myself trying to record it like in high school I probably only did the chorus, but there's like a verse and a chorus that I remember writing just walking around as like a third grader. I can't believe I have it. I'm glad that I went into my hard drive and found it. Did you just like remember it then or did you have it written down somehow when you went back to record it in high nope, school? Nope, I think I just have always remembered it because it's a great song <laughs> that maybe someday I'll do a real version of. But um, yeah, great. imagine it as a no doubt song. <laughs> <laughs> After third grade, <laughs> did you continue just doing stuff solo? Did you form a band? Um, I didn't learn guitar until right before my 13th birthday. I got a guitar and I started mm-hmm. um, playing around after that. I didn't really start writing my own songs on it till like a year later, at which point the first song I did, I wish I had a recording of, I did it into like my PC mic, like, you know, the most garbage recording quality you could possibly imagine. And it was like a comedy Uh song about this guy in my high school who like dated all of my friends and was cheating on all of them with each other. So it's like kind of an offensive song that's just about how bad he is. And it went onto the school like internet. Um, it was, I went to a boarding school for one year. It was a really weird experience. Uh I was like one of the day students who didn't, you know, pay the boarding school rates. Um, but they had like their own private internet server and this circulated throughout the server and became very popular. Um, Beyond that, you have the next like song I wrote that did get recorded full band style um, maybe a few months later. And that, what the hell is it called? Smile Wicked. <laughs> Smile Wicked. All yeah. right, well, we should give that one a listen. I um, can't you... believe we're going to hear this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. Do you remember what it was about? Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, just like a drummer 
It's about a drummer boy. <laughs> um, and weird, weirdly enough, the person who drummed on this recording um, was a girl I went to the boarding school with, and I had like a serious crush on her, but I never told her. Um, but she and she, it was like probably her first time drumming on a recording too, which maybe you can tell. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we got a riff. We got bass right away. I have no idea who's playing bass on this. I just like can't believe this is how I sang as a 14 year old. Yeah. I know it's really strange to go back and hear like your younger voice recorded. I thought it would sound more like precious or something, but it's more gruff than I sing now. It sounds like I was smoking cigs as a 14 year old, which I utterly was not. Scott rhythm on the guitar. Oh yeah. God. Definitely didn't tune the guitar before we recorded. <laughs> Double tracked chorus. That's you know. How did I know to do that? Got a little bridge or something, breakdown. I'm proud also that my first song ever has like a little arpeggio riff rather than just me strumming. Even, yeah. even at 14, I was like, we gotta put a riff in there. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> Yeah, there's an e there was an EP. I don't know that I made physical copies of it, but at least my friends got this five-song EP. What was funny too, the person this is about, um, his mom was like a really accomplished ten-string guitarist, and she came. I recorded this at summer camp. I went to like this cool arts camp that had a recording studio. Oh, neat. Yeah, I wouldn't do any of the stuff I do now if I hadn't gone to this camp. Um, and she came and did a workshop on like songwriting and recording. And I did another song about her son, like with the mom helping me in the <laughs> studio. <laughs> so awkward. That's so. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, what was the What was the camp called? It's called Bucks Rock uh, Performing and Creative Arts Camp. It's still there. And I wound up running their music department like 10 years later. Oh, wow. That's such a cool resource. <laughs> yeah, I feel so thank. I mean, this is before Girls Rock Camp was a widespread enough thing that it would have ever hit the rural area I went to high school in. Uh huh. So just having this as an outlet... Like, I was playing in bands with other girls when I was 14, which certainly wouldn't have happened. Um, no, definitely not. At the weird boarding school or the public school I went to the year later. <laughs> the next song that you have here um, is 16. Yeah, I gave you only high school gems. That's perfect. 
So you said that this was number two song on MySpace for a little bit in 2004. It was a number two song on MySpace, and I have a screenshot of it to prove it. I mean, yeah, you'd have to screenshot that. So how old were you when when this was number two on MySpace? Uh, 16, as the title of the song denotes. So this was like, I don't even know. It's, It's funny, like going back to a lot of this stuff, I know the conceit of the podcast is I'm supposed to think they're bad, but I'm like, oh, I did pretty good for, it's pretty good for a 16-year-old. And I don't know, there's like a simplicity to it that I could not get to in arrangements now if I even tried. And maybe some of that's like kind of a nice, um, maybe that's a nice arrangement tool. I don't know. I think think a lot of people that I've been talking to on this podcast, the, the idea of their bad songs is worse than the actual reality of them. A lot of the times, like people are saying that they find pieces in their old songs that are actually still really good or interesting to them um, that they're yeah. pretty proud of. And I think that that's nice too. sort of getting yeah. rid of the specter, or the ghost of the idea that all of your old material is this terrible thing. But I'm also like, am I an egomaniac that I'm listening to all this stuff I made when I was like my mid-teens? And I'm like, oh, this is genius. I was a genius. <laughs> no, that's just loving yourself, right? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I might as well do it in one corner of my life. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, let's give this a listen. A strumming pattern I would not touch at this age. Uh <laughs> A reverb I find so distasteful. This is the tightness you feel. Yeah, I mean, I did a whole album in high school. There are parts of it that I think are good. I don't know if this is one of the ones I like the most, but I the, the MySpace thing baffles me to this day, 15 years later. Yeah, that is pretty wild. Do you know how it happened? No idea. What all I can imagine? I think at that time you could have like a player on your personal page, and maybe someone with a lot of traffic. Maybe Tila Tequila found my little acoustic <laughs> song and put it up for a day. I really don't know. I do hope it was her. I don't know if I do. Well, <laughs> this is before she was like a time traveling Nazi well, or whatever. Right? She is. Yes. <laughs> Only you. Dramatic ass pause. Very, very dramatic. We got some fiddle on this song, I think. It's a million dollar cruise. How did you record this one? This was at camp, too. Oh, okay. This was at camp, I guess, the, the following year. So I must have just turned 16. But only half the time. It's talking to you and you're changing my mind. <laughs> Drink some water to because you unglue me and keep me and use me. And I'm sorry I said it like Also like the extremely Canadian pronunciation that I can't explain any other way than a lot of Canadian people worked at the summer camp. And I have the horrible habit of just picking up the accent of whoever I'm hanging around. Yeah. Um but like, I I'm sorry like <laughs> I say this. <laughs> That's the thing I find myself doing sometimes too, and I'm like, oh no, this is very embarrassing. <laughs> I can't help it though. And so on the drive home, 
from the night I turned six. Like a lot of the songs I was doing at this time were a little more rocky, but MySpace doesn't want that. No. Nothing gets true. When I stop running from the fact that you kept me, from the fact that I love that, then maybe my tired legs can finally run back to you. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> Aww, oh, I joined the track team when I was 16 on like a bet. Mm -hmm. um, that I wouldn't survive. And so I feel like this whole thing is a metaphor about joining the track team. <laughs> <laughs> That's very high school. <laughs> oh my God, is it ever. I'm really interested in this next clip that you sent of your college acapella group doing a version of one of your songs. Yeah. So I sent you both things. The like, this is a song that's from my, my high school album. That's more of like a raw, it honestly sounds like you ought to know by Alanis Morissette or something. There's like an adult man playing a lot of bass notes. Um, we got like a, you know, a nice little guitar delay. It's, it's like a well, decently produced for a 17 year old rock song. Um, and then when I went to college, I, I had done um, like children's choir for a lot of my childhood, mm -hmm. like kind of culty. I, I was going through photo bucket in preparation for this podcast and I found all these photos from the children's choir. We had to wear like, you know, floor length red robes and like blue stoles. It, it, we looked like a little <laughs> cult. This it, We toured internationally. It was like a huge part of my life. Um, and so when I got to college, I was like, I'm going to do other singing stuff. Um, and I went to MIT the first couple of years I was in college and I feel like I really drastically changed over the first year of college. Like, like many of us do, mm -hmm. um, and to the point where I ultimately dropped out of MIT. But I joined a college acapella group. I love this band, Self, that was like a um, 90s, they're known mostly for like 90s rock stuff. Um, and the college acapella group did a song by this like, not obscure, but like, it's not like they were doing Nirvana or something. This was like a obscure for college acapella. And I got like so hungover for the first two weeks that I was at MIT um, that I just really was horrible in my audition. And I was like, I promise I can sing. Like, here's my CD. <laughs> so they let me into the group just based on my, my high school CD. They were like, we want to arrange one of your songs. And it was like kind of a, a bit of a, a battle back and forth between the guy who directed the, the acapella group who was arranging the song and me being like, oh no, like that, the key change you want to put in is like so stupid. Um, anyway, I allowed one of my songs to be turned into an acapella song and it won an acapella award, which is apparently a thing. Oh wow. Acatunes, that's an award. So um, it's also the first time I ever heard myself auto-tuned and maybe like the last time. And that's all I have to say in advance of this. I downloaded this off their like legacy website, oh, wow. so that's why it like fades in and out. Wow. Then we got this filter coming in. Yeah. Wait till you hear my vocal riffing. I just want to die. like stereo delay also <laughs> that's so funny yep yep all right 
That's we amazing. can forget about that one now. This is the first time my face got very red <laughs> uh, talking over these with you. I don't feel like a lot of people can say that they have had, um, or I guess not a lot of people in the indie music community can say that they have had one of their songs turned into a full acapella arrangement like that. So, And much less had to sing lead vocals on it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, if any college acapella groups out there want to do any speedier T songs... <laughs> You are free to do it. I'm just not going to sing on them. <laughs> uh, how long were you in that group? Uh, one year. <laughs> uh, it was really fun, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I was in a barbershop oh, quartet yeah, for a while in in high school, which was very fun too. But we did a lot of the standards, you know, like lo- yeah. lollipop under the boardwalk, things like that. We did a lot of like Christina Aguilera. Uh-huh. Um, I'm tra- We did. I got to sing the the harmonies on a Panic at the Disco song. Which that was one? pretty fun. Um, it must be a Panic at the Disco. I chime in with yeah. the heaven. Yeah. We had some. We had some good ones in there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have one more song to listen to here, uh, and it's called Germany. If you want to tell oh my us God. about that. Are we going to hear this whole thing? I'm going to have to talk the whole time so I don't have to really listen to it. <laughs> um, let's see. I was like obsessed. Well, <laughs> I had a big crush on my friend from high school who um, was a year older than me. Mm-hmm. And we had sort of a like a will they, won't they situation. And he studied abroad in, um, in Austria. And it wasn't like I could write a song called like Austria. <laughs> right. So it's called Germany. I don't even know what the what the hell I'm going. All of these teen songs are so funny to me because I'm pretending, you know, I'm like a virgin and like right. I'm pretending like I'm so adult and dealing with all these like intense romantic feelings. I didn't really know what I was talking about, but I had a big crush on this uh, on my friend, and this is the first song that I can remember. I recorded this myself in my basement. Mm-hmm. I think most of the other stuff we've heard, I did not record myself. And so this is sort of the start of me like wanting to get interested in, I had done like four track stuff in high school, but it was always like acoustic guitar. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I still don't know what I'm doing at, you know, at 31, (laughs) but um, this is the first time I recorded drums or like keyboards on a song I did at home. Even just looking at this, the song is almost five minutes long. I would never, I wouldn't even hit four minutes today. Yeah. You gotta be concise. That's so true. I'm a big fan of the short song. Mm hmm. Me too. But sometimes you need time to learn that. <laughs> uh huh. Once said you were born at the top of the staircase. <laughs> this is definitely the worst quality one <laughs> I've given to you. Out of porcelain, and you look like your mother, except when you smile. Except when you also, I like loved early bright eyes. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to do here somehow. That makes There's um, percussion in it that I think is one of those like wood blocks that's shaped like a frog. <laughs> when you hear the croaking. As leaves became spherically crystal, predicting you can't get the 
up with nothing Oh, we got another guitar Just clearly not interested in using a metronome for this. No. I do really like the croaking. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I should get one of those again. Yeah. I've been using, I somehow still like don't own a shaker, which is so stupid because really? I'm, yeah. So every time I want to do shaker, I just use whatever like food can sound like a shaker that's in my house. So I've been recording some quinoa this week. What am I doing? That's great. After the movie, we talked about screenplays and you held my hand. This is like peak pretentious. 18-year-old <laughs> lyrics. Talking about screenplays? Uh-huh. Yep. Just waiting to bust this pit open, these drums. My first drum performance ever. <laughs> I did not listen to before just now. Ooh, how'd it feel? Sweating a little bit, but you know, good for the immune system. Oh maybe. yeah, I'm sure, probably right. Probably. I uh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> how would you say uh, that your songwriting process has changed over the years? I don't know if the songwriting process has changed so much. Like it's funny talking to you about the the one I wrote in like third grade, where you're like, "Did you write it down somewhere?" And I'm like, "No, I just remembered it." I usually do the bulk of my um, composing just in my head. Mm -hmm. um, and I only really like notate it in any way when I start to do a demo. Um, and that's been true for me pretty much the whole time. But I think there was a long period in the middle where I didn't feel like my demos could ever be the song. So I would like do a demo that was as fully fleshed out as, you know, I could possibly imagine. Uh -huh. you, you just heard the first example of me doing that. 
Um, and then I would just redo everything in a studio and maybe not trust myself to produce it. So the, the biggest like change that's happened is now, instead of just redoing a demo, I just keep working on the demo until it's the song. Um, and it just feels like a more honest representation of what I'm picturing mentally before I even start to play a note. I don't know. It's like a translating job more than it is a composing job. Sometimes it's like in my head, I know that the drums are this certain way and the bass mm-hmm. is going to be this specific part. And instead of trying to communicate like, Oh, we'll do the bass, you know, like you ought to know by Linus Morissette, I can just track the bass and eventually get to the place where it sounds good enough. So I think that's sort of the, yeah, I think that the past like 15, 16, maybe 17 years at this point of recording songs, has just been like, having better confidence in myself mm-hmm. as a arranger, producer, performer. Do you always have all of the lyrics in your head as well as the arrangement? No, usually the lyrics are the, kind of the last thing I do. Um, I tend to do all the music. Maybe I, like sometimes if, if what comes to me is a vocal melody, maybe it'll have like vowel sounds attached to uh-huh. it. Um, and then it's a matter of sitting out like, are there some words that aren't stupid that can fit the vowel sounds that are going to carry that melody well. Um, but usually uh, the lyrics are kind of the last thing. And then just because I'm personally curious, I guess, uh, how does it feel different to you? Because I know you write poetry too, um, which I appreciate because I also write a little bit of poetry. Um, hey! hey. <laughs> I was a creative writing major in college, you know. Nice. Um, Me too, eventually. Yeah, yeah. After I dropped out of math school. <laughs> how does it feel different to you to write a poem versus lyrics? I think, you know... Because usually when I do lyrics, I'm doing it specifically to music. It's like solving a puzzle more than it is creating something. It's like one component to a much bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some ways, there's like a, a lessening of pressure because the song to me isn't just the lyrics. It's like the synth sound at a minute and 15 seconds. And I think for me, like I do a little bit of visual art too, not a ton, mm-hmm. but um, enough that I'd say that the poetry process is much more similar to creating a piece of visual art because it's just kind of what do I, you know, what's in my head today that I can just get down. And then it's like, um, it's like a sculpting process more than anything. I'll wind up just free writing a bunch of things that are whatever cool phrases and images come to my head for, for poetry. And then just, um, cutting and cutting and cutting lines until it feels like a, something that means something. Yeah. That makes sense to me. What kind of visual art do you do? Um, I mean, I don't do a ton. I do all our, the album artwork for Speedy and Satherteen. Um, and occasionally I'll do other things that are like, you know, posters and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, my mom is a, um, she does all kinds of art, but she was a portrait painter for most of my oh, life. Awesome. And she does um, encaustics and all kinds of stuff like that. So I think I grew up doing a lot of visual art just because of proximity to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really into alternative comics and indie comics and Speedy Ortiz is named for a Lover Knockets character. So I drew a lot of comics when I was younger. So now generally if I do visual art, it's like because there's a deadline that needs to get, you know, if I have album artwork, for example, like I'm working on some right now, uh-huh. that, that kind of thing. Awesome. Has this been a time where you've been able to feel creative and work on music or? Um, I have been working on music, but it's not really stuff I would view as my own music. Uh-huh. I have a tendency to like overwork when I have any kind of depression, anxiety, stress, worry. And certainly I'm feeling all that stuff right now as we all are. Um, But it always feels most productive to channel that into 
work that's in service of other people. So I've done a lot of I've done a lot of home recording the past month, but it's like um someone needs guitars on a song, so I'm sending them some guitars or someone needs backing vocals or there's a benefit covers compilation, so I'm doing like a very faithful cover where I'm trying to get the production as close to the original song as possible. Oh, cool. Um a lot of projects like that. I'm not definitely not writing any songs or writing any music. Mm-hmm. It would it just like is not I think everyone copes with things differently and I don't want to, you know, yeah, make anything that's happening right now about me and my art, but I'm doing lots of like other people's projects and that feels really good and a nice reminder of how to connect with people even when we can't um, be close to one another physically. Yeah, I think that that has been important for me too is just sort of the collaboration and working on things with other people because, you know, obviously I can't, I live alone and like, you mm. know, can't uh, do band practice obviously with anybody so it feels nice to be able to still like do music with people that I would usually be doing music with by by doing the collaboration definitely what are some things you've been listening to lately that you've been really liking or that have been inspiring you it's funny like I've really um it's not (laughs) it's not like touring makes me hate music Uh um but I'm listening to much more music in the past month than I have in years and feeling more emotionally connected to it than I have in a really long time. Like I've been revisiting, um, I've been listening to a ton of Amy Mann, who is someone I've loved since I was really young. I actually, one of the things I found in, um, in my photo bucket when I was looking for photos for you is like a picture from must be the first week of high school. And I, it's in my, um, diary and there's a picture of like an Amy Mann concert ticket, uh, (laughs) that I went to then. So I've been listening to a lot of that and just feeling like, um, I don't know, I'm listening closely in a way that I just haven't done in a long time. Um, Juana Molina is another one that I, Fiona Apple, obviously her new album. Um, in terms of like totally new stuff, I really love the Yeji album. Um, I've been listening a ton to the Ali X album, uh, Caroline Rose, a lot of like kind of high concept pop stuff that just has really interesting and deep production. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm honored to embarrass myself (laughs) with my acapella song. Great. It was really something to behold. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks everyone. Chasing the ghost of a good time. Chasing the ghost of a good time. Hey, thanks for listening. You can find Sadie's music under the name Sad13 and Speedy Ortiz on the internet everywhere you find music. Um, the new Sad13 album Haunted Painting is out September 25th. If you go to Sad13, that's S-A-D-1-3, dot horse slash merch, you can pre-order it and you can also buy some hot sauce and other merch items. You can follow us at Bad Songwriter on Instagram and at Bad underscore Songwriter on Twitter. If you are an artist who would like to be on the podcast, you can email me at BadSongwriterPod at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, you can rate, review, subscribe, follow, send it to a friend, share it on social media, any of these things. Help us out. All right, thanks. Bye. Red bottoms on the sofa, a party in a cabin in the woods. Trailblaze in the wildness, wouldn't compass there if I could. Here's me where I said I'd be, chasing the ghost of a good time.